Hi, and thank you for listening in to the New Song Podcast from this week's service. You are welcome and encouraged to join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in person. And for more information on how to get involved with New Song, go to newsonglouisville.org and follow us on social media. And now for today's message. This morning we're going to dive into the Word together. Um, This morning I want to put my slide up. I forgot my slide here. We're in part 15 of our series on the book of Philippians called Indestructible Joy. And this morning brings us to a passage that is uh, really powerful. And I would have to say it's probably um, becoming one of my favorite topics And maybe that's because I'm getting older. Philippians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, uh, open your Bibles. If you have your digital devices, fire them up. You know what you guys ought to do some Sunday? You ought to pull a good prank on me and just bring your paper Bibles. And when I say that, you know, I get to hear that wonderful ruffling of the leaves of the paper Bibles. I used to love that, you know. And then, of course, you'd, you'd have that one person out there who couldn't quite find the book, you know, and they kept rustling and rustling. Anyway, oh, Betty's back there doing that for me right now. <laughs> Philippians three twenty and 21 says, for our citizenship is in heaven, for from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he's able even to subdue all things to himself. And this morning we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about heaven. And um, one of the things that I think's missing you hear me talk about these things from time to time because I think the things that are missing have to be regained, have to be refocused on. For the church to truly be what we're supposed to be in the earth during our days, our times. And uh, that is, there's such a weak, weak theology of heaven that most of us have. Um, And we need a strong, robust, biblical theology of heaven. You'll notice what, uh, what the slide says. If it wasn't for God's grace working through God's truth about God's heaven, um, we wouldn't be who we are today. I'm I'm talking particularly about Tracy and I, and maybe you feel that same way. The hope, healing, and happiness that we've experienced in the midst of unspeakable pain are all established in the reality of heaven. On uh, December 6, 1984, my life uh, changed radically. It was when my grandfather went to heaven. He was my hero. I'll never forget that day. It was a cold, um, uh, snowy day. And um, I was at the University of Louisville when I got the call. And uh, my friend came by and picked me up. And the road I lived on was really kind of steep and had a big curve and I remember us trying to get up that road, and I remember just being so heartbroken that my uh, my hero had passed. 
And then uh, eight years later, my mom unexpectedly went to heaven on October 2nd, 1992. Wow. Tracy and I had only been married just a few years and uh, my mom was just 54 years old. Rocked my world. And then my ma'am, who I uh, just adored, she was such an incredible lady, a strong lady, and was here a part of this church and such a blessing to Tracy and I in the early days of the church. I got the call on March 15th, 1997 that she'd gone to heaven. I, I went in, I went in, guys, on that one. Um... Rushed to the hospital. She'd already passed. I said, can I please see my ma'am? I went back and I prayed over her. I was really hoping the Lord would bring her back to me. It didn't happen, but I'm going to see her again. Then my dad, the last of my family, I was an only child of an only child. You've heard me tell my story. I grew up really, really spoiled <laughs> and uh, greatly loved. Uh, my dad, gosh, I'll never forget this. My dad, we, we had gone to the hospital. My dad was in the hospital at Veterans Hospital. My dad served in the uh, Air Force and the Navy. He did two stints in the military. My dad was... Um, hardworking, faithful man. My family was just amazing and I'm so blessed to have had the family I had. But January 27th, I was at the hospital. This was in 2005. I was at the hospital and the doctor came out, gave me a great report that my dad was doing well. We thought that we thought there were some really serious things happening and Maybe maybe a terminal diagnosis, but the doctor came out and gave us a good report. I remember going out in the hallway of Veterans Hospital and, and, and shouting and jumping, shouting and jumping. I was so excited about the report, and my dad was coming home, and things were okay. Uh, January 28th, the following day, I got a phone call from his wife that he'd uh, passed away in the living room of his home. And then some of you, um, many of you would remember Tracy's dad and uh, just what a, a vital and central part of this church that he was for so many years. Uh, I, I remember Ray just from the very beginning of the church, he would always ask me, uh, Pastor Jeff, what was the tithe? We want to pray over that tithe. And in the early days, we were praying for $200. Yep. Just pray that we get $200 in the tithe. That'll be wonderful. And regardless of what it was and what level it was, he was always believing and trusting and praying. And on April 15th, tax day, 2021, Tracy's dad entered into heaven. And I'll say it again, if it wasn't for God's grace, working through God's truth, about God's heaven. We wouldn't be who we are today. 
Honestly, I think we'd just be uh, a wreck. It's hard to lose loved ones. But the hope and the healing and the happiness we've experienced in the midst of unspeakable pain, they're just, they're established in the reality of heaven. And I can only tell you this, in every one of those situations, in the midst of unspeakable pain, there was a almost unexplainable grace and comfort that came through the Holy Spirit in the midst of that separation. The reason I'm sitting here today, I, I, I just felt this from the beginning, is I, sometimes, sometimes what you're speaking about is so personal that I just am kind of envisioning this morning just you and I just sitting across the table having coffee together, if that's okay. And just kind of personally talking about some of these things because it's, yeah, it's, it's very personal. Well, let me just tell you this. Let me give you a quote here this morning. This is from the magnificent book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And I, I can't recommend it enough. I'll show you a slide here in a minute. But because Satan hates us, he's determined to rob us of the joy we would have if we believed what God tells us about the magnificent world to come. You, you could ask me this morning, Pastor Jeff, do you believe that heaven's a real place, that heaven's going to be even better than this earth, that heaven's going to be Something to, to so much look forward to. And, and you could just ask me all about heaven. And I'm just telling you everything the Bible says about heaven. I believe it with all of my heart. I believe it 100%. And I'm looking forward to it. And some, some of you, as you're getting older, you're looking a little more forward to it too. And maybe it's becoming one of your favorite topics too. So I'm going to get up, we're going to head to the Word, but thank you for just giving me a, a very personal moment with you this morning. We've been talking about indestructible joy. Let me just say this, indestructible joy is rooted in the fact that heaven awaits us and that the temporary world that you and I are currently living in does not have the final word over us. Heaven does. Come on, it's a good place for an amen. Come on. I want to share three things with you this morning. We could, do, we could do a pretty good series on heaven, and maybe one day we will. I think I have done a short one in the past, but maybe we'll revisit this topic at some point. There's so much to unpack and so much to, to look at. But I, I want to share three really powerful things with you this morning about heaven and and just kind of give you these thoughts as we spend our time together today. Heaven is our home. It should be our hunger. And I'm telling you, it's ultimately our place of healing. Philippians 3, let me just read it again to you here just in a second. Let me get my slides straight. Here's the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn. If you don't have it, you really ought to get it. 
it's a big thick book and it'll take a good while to get through it but it's going to help you understand your um, eventual home so much better and not only that a little influence deeply the way you live this life on this earth Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me see if I have my slide. The Lord Jesus Christ, where am I here? Boy, I'm gotten all, I'm gotten all thrown off here, guys. Here we are. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he's able even to subdue all things to himself. This is, this is exciting, encouraging biblical truth that if you will receive it with an open heart this morning, you'll become more heavenly minded so that you can live a more fruitful, a more peaceful, a more hopeful life here on this earth. Would you pray with me, bow your heads, Lord? We, we just ask the Holy Spirit that you'd teach us this morning in all things. You're our guide, our instructor, the one that brings the word of God alive in our hearts and our, our lives. You're the one that takes that word that written word and transforms it into a living rhema word that comes alive in our hearts and it changes the way we see and the way we serve and the way we live. So Lord, have your way in us this morning. Teach us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Well, first of all, heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. John chapter 14, uh, Jesus says this, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and I prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Let's take a moment and think about that for a bit. A bit. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it's, it's, it's a mind-blowing thought when you look at that, right? It's saying to you and I that Jesus himself is preparing a place for you. Jesus himself is preparing a place for you. you. You know he spent 30 years being a carpenter, right? He knows how to build something pretty magnificent. He's preparing a place for you. He knows you. He, he's working and building something that's going to speak to the depths of who you are. He's going to give you, by the way, a new name, right? Written on a white rock. It, you'll display that in that house, that place he's building for you, because that'll be such a precious treasure. But he's building you a place, that word place. In the beginning of the verse, it talks about mansions, and then it says a place. That place can also be translated easily from the Greek as home. Imagine with me, if you will, the creator of the universe as your home builder. Remember, there's coming a time, we don't know when, but Jesus himself is going to come for you so that you can be where he is. And he's building you a mansion with your name on it that's going to absolutely 
blow you away. How many of you remember that old show? Somebody help me remember the name of it where Ty Pennington would come in and move that bus. What's the name of that show? Extreme home makeover. Jesus is doing an extreme home makeover for you. He's coming in. He's going to build from the ground up something that is so magnificent and so personal and so powerful that when he says, move that bus, you're going to just, you're going to be overwhelmed and blown away. And one of the things I loved about that show was remember how they would get to know the family members and, and you know, the, the, the husband, he really liked this and the wife, she loved this and the kids, they were into basketball and the little girl was a ballerina and you'd go into the rooms and there was the themes and there were the very things that would just ignite their hearts and just bless them so deeply. It's going to happen for you. When he says, move that bus, and you see that mansion, it's going to personally and powerfully impact you. Amen. Jesus is preparing a place for you because heaven is your home, your citizenship, your citizenship, your citizenship is in heaven. I got, a, I got a passport, right? And, and actually, I've had a series of passports. And in my passport, it says in there that I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Somewhere in the United States of America, my name's recorded, right? Because I'm a citizen of the United States of America. But the reality is I'm a citizen of something much greater than the United States of America. I'm actually a citizen of heaven. Now, I love my country. I'm not trying to dishonor my country. I'm just telling you, I got dual citizenship. I'm a citizen of heaven, and that is a pretty doggone awesome thing. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 5. By the way, I, here's another quote. I could, I could have filled this message with quotes from Randy Alcorn, but I didn't. But I'm just giving you a couple to whet your appetite and get that book. The best of life on earth is a glimpse of heaven. The worst of life on earth is a glimpse of hell. For Christians, this present life's the closest they'll come to hell. For unbelievers, it's the closest they'll come to heaven. 1 Corinthians 5, 4, for while we're still in this tent, we groan, we're burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal, and I want you to just focus on these last four words, may be swallowed up in life or by life. Say those last first four words with me. Swallowed up by life. Wait, I think I said say those words with me. You must not have caught that. Let's try that again. Ready? Swallowed up by life. You thought, you thought that one day you were going to get old and, you know, things were going to decline and you were going to die. And, and you had kind of a negative twist or a negative look or a negative outlook on that. But in actuality, the Bible says one day you're going to be swallowed up by life. Thank you, Cindy. I thought that was a good place for an amen too. I, 
One day you're going to be swallowed up by life. You know, let me let me just say something here and, and, and stick with me, hang with me here this morning. And just, man, we're going to take a tour through the word. I hope you're ready for some word this morning. But sometimes we, we love to quote that scripture. Tracy and I quote it quite a bit. You know, I... I uh, I was glad, you know, that I, I would see, I would see the, the Lord in the land of the living. How, how's it go, honey? Help me with it. I would see the, 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 the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah, I would have lost hope unless I believed that I would have seen the, the Lord in the land of the living. Can I tell you something that maybe is just going to blow your mind here this morning? But maybe this isn't the land of the living. Maybe this is the land of the dying. Maybe we haven't reached the land of the living yet. Because I'm just telling you, heaven, there is no death whatsoever. There's no decay. There's no decline. There's no dead leaves. There's no, guess what? No need for recycling. There's no compost, okay? I mean, there's so many wonderful things about heaven. And, and we have, we're going to be swallowed up by life. I'm glad you're getting excited, honey. I, I wish I could get the rest of these guys excited this morning. I, you're going to be present with the Lord. It's your homeland. You're a citizen of heaven. Listen, your name is written in heaven. Do you know that? If you have believed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, if you've asked him to forgive your sins and, and, and to come into you know your heart as Savior, your name's written in heaven. Do you know that? I love this passage, right? The disciples come back to Jesus. He's given them power and they come back and man, they've been seeing miracles. And Jesus says these words, nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice over the miracles and, and the wonders and the signs. Man, we chase after that sometimes, don't we? But he says, rejoice over the fact that your name is written in heaven. My name's written on earth somewhere here, but I'm so much more excited about the fact that my name's written in heaven. And if you've trusted Christ, your name's written in heaven too. You're like, where, where, where's it written in heaven? Well, it's interesting, right? Because, uh, the next chapter of Philippians, which we'll get to in the future weeks, Paul says this, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers. Ooh, this is pretty cool. Here's what Paul says. Whose names are in the book of life? I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I just, you know, I, I can have a vivid imagination. I'm sure you can too. I think to myself, how big must that book be? That every single person in all of human history that has trusted God, received God, believed in God, given their hearts to Jesus, their names written in the book of life. Let me give you a quiz question here this morning. Let's see who can answer this. Is the book of life, is it, is it organized alphabetically or chronologically? Rick says alphabetically. Actually, the Bible doesn't tell us, but it's a good guess, Rick. It's a good guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is your name getting written down? You know, does it, you know, A, B, C? Of course, you know, we're assuming English in heaven, right? And I don't know that that's right. 
Or is it when you give your life to the Lord? So there's this book of life. Your name's written there. You're a citizen of heaven. Let's go a little bit further. Revelation chapter 21 says this, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles, talking about heaven, or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay, we're getting a little, a little further definition, right? We let the Bible define the Bible, right? We let the Bible help us understand the Bible. Only those written in the Lamb's book of life. Who's the Lamb? It's Jesus Christ, the one who paid the price for you and I, who gave himself freely for us because he loved us. The Lamb's book of life. I, this, whole, this whole time together this morning, if, you're, if your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, that's of first and foremost importance. You need to repent of your sin, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, receive his love for you, and obey him fully. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Do you know your name's written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you had that moment where you've surrendered your all to him and asked him to be Lord of your life? If you haven't, please do that this morning. Because here's what... The Bible goes on to say, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We live in a world where there's a lot of, a lot of fake things, a lot of false things. I, I think it's come with the explosion of the internet and social media and all this stuff, if you're not careful, you can easily be deceived. You can easily be taken down a path that isn't built on truth. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who who said these words, don't believe everything you read on the internet. (laughs) At least that's a quote I read on the internet. We need to get back to what's real. We need to get focused on what's real. Heaven is real. God is real. Some of you felt him here this morning, his presence. Hell is real. By the way, hell was not created for people. People are choosing to go there. It's not God's choice for them. That's a really important delineation. The word of God is real. And it stands forever. It's unchanging. It's truth. Everything else needs to be evaluated in light of God's word. And and see, the fact that these things are true ought to motivate the church to share the gospel, to shake the world around us, to awaken it to the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. There's people in your life, there's people in your life who need to know Jesus and need their names written in the Lamb's book of life because it's not. 
Does that, does that affect you? All I got to do is think of a couple people I love so dearly and I'm, I'm not sure they're, I'm not sure their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It really troubles me. It burdens me. I'm praying diligently for them. And I'm trying everything I can to love them into the kingdom of God. Hebrews chapter 12, excuse me. Heaven's our home. Hebrews 12 says, therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. You're going to see a theme here in Hebrews 12 that's really powerful. Our loved ones who've gone before us, they're surrounding us. They're cheering us on. They're not that far from us. They're a part of the Hebrews 12 goes on to say, but you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly. That's an interesting term. And the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of men made perfect. Let me just tell you, we're surrounded those, those, those loved ones that have gone on before, they're a part of that cloud of witnesses. They're, they're our companions, if you will. They are alive and well in Christ. They are aware of what's happening here on this earth. They're, they're cheering us on, if you will. Matthew chapter 17 is the famous uh, encounter that we call the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mount. And, and in a moment, Moses and Elijah, they appear and, and it's this amazing encounter that happens there. And, and, and Moses and Elijah are alive and, and they're active and they're aware and they're conversing with Jesus and and Peter, James, and John are beholding this, and they're just, they're struck by this. Uh, Moses has, has not been living on this earth for 1,500 years, and yet there he is on the Mount of Transfiguration, fully alive, talking, interacting. There's Elijah, who hasn't been alive on the earth at that point for about 600 years. Do you understand? They're a part of that cloud of witnesses. That cloud of witnesses is very real. They're the ones, like I said earlier, in the land of the living. We're the ones in the land of the dying. But our names are written in heaven, and the Bible says our inheritance is reserved in heaven. First Peter chapter 1 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Let's go through it. It's, a, it's an inheritance that's incorruptible. 
Your name's written in heaven, and you've got an inheritance in heaven. And that inheritance is incorruptible. It means it never decays. It doesn't wither away. It doesn't die. No death of any kind. There's no dead leaves in heaven. There's, There's nothing dead in heaven. Everything's alive. It has the touch of God on it. There's no compost. There's no need for recycling. Your inheritance is incorruptible. And your inheritance is undefiled. That means there's not even the slightest, tiniest bit of the fall of mankind or the curse of sin or wickedness on it in any way. It's been totally extracted. There's not even a smidgen of that on it. And your inheritance is unfading. It never fades. It never diminishes. It never gets old. It's never boring. And it's never routine. I mean, some people might say, I don't know. People have all kinds of crazy thoughts about heaven. <clears throat> and they're, they're generally so unbiblical. But sometimes we run with that stuff. And sometimes that bugs me so much as a pastor. Uh, one of them, and we'll talk about it here in a moment, is just this crazy notion. I've heard people say, well, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Can I just tell you, any reading of history, of of Christian history, will show you that those who were heavenly minded were the most earthly good. They impacted this earth because they knew that this counted and what they did here would bring forth an inheritance there. I mean, it's a, you know, some people, well, won't we get bored in heaven if it's only awesome forever? I mean, can't we throw in a little drama from time to time? What about a little bit of sin every once in a while, you know, just to shake things up? No, it's going to be so awesome and so wonderful and so glorious, and you're going to be so captivated with Jesus, and it's going to be absolutely beyond anything you can even imagine or hope or dream. Absolutely no, it won't be boring. You're going, to be, you're going to be dropping your bucket into the unex, unexhaustible well of God's grace and glory and goodness again and again and again and coming up with bucketfuls to the place that you're overwhelmed and overflowing. Man, all this, by the way, that's reserved for you in heaven ought to give you and I a hunger for heaven. Hunger, Heaven ought to be our hunger, and I'm not trying to idolize heaven because heaven without God isn't heaven. God is heaven. Heaven is God. The two are inextricable. They are together. Going to heaven means going to be in God's fullness of his presence. That's what makes heaven heaven, and that's why it's so awesome, and that's why you'll never ever be bored there ever you'll be blown away by his brilliance and his beauty for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years philippians 3:20 our verse says but we're citizens of heaven and we're eagerly awaiting <laughs> We eagerly await his return because we absolutely know how captivating and wonderful and awesome heaven's going to be. When you see people who are not eagerly awaiting his return, their theology of heaven is weak. They don't understand what the Bible says about our home to come. 
And it's sad because we should. And we should be so looking forward to it. Romans chapter 8, look at what it says. It says, for we know that the whole of creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Creation's groaning and laboring and, and waiting for Jesus to come and redeem it. And we too, we feel that. Listen, can I just tell you, it's, it's why so many people go on this quest on this earth after sex and drugs and alcohol and you name it to try to fill that hole in their heart that only God can fill. And quite honestly, their place, their place is meant to be in heaven in the fulfillment of all those longings and needs that they've searched in all the wrong places for is found in God and in heaven. Some of you, let me even say this to you, you know, and, and I love this case that Randy Alcorn makes. Some of us, you know, we get on this earth and we start planning and preparing and we're, you know, we get the little starter house and then we sell that starter house for the next bigger house. And then, you know, then we, we decorate that one up and we, we redo that one and, you know, whatever. And, and, and we add in a new kitchen and then we sell it and get another bigger house. And it's like we're on this quest to try to find this place of real satisfaction, that retirement home that's our dream home. Can I just say to you, it's waiting for you in heaven. And I don't care how many homoramas you go to. I don't care how many, how many books you read or how many, you know, copies of, of Southern Living you look at. You'll never find it here on this earth. It doesn't matter if you have a jacuzzi tub or not or a rainfall shower or whatever the latest thing is, you're not going to find the satisfaction, the deep satisfaction that God intends to give you in himself. Second Peter chapter 3 says this, I love this verse, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. I think we can do that by being about the mission of God. Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I don't know how much you've thought about taking time to ponder about the new earth, but I'm pretty excited about the new earth. You and I are going to live in the new earth. There's some pretty amazing places on this earth. And, 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 and this, this whole refining that's going to happen with the heat of heaven, right? It's going to take away all the sin that's affected this earth. And, and suddenly things are going to be returned, if you will, back to the state of Eden. And it's going to be overwhelmingly beautiful. I've stood in Yosemite, in what John Muir described as the, the uh, nature's grand cathedral in Yosemite Valley, where you're looking at El Capitan, and you're looking at Half Dome, and you're looking at Brattle Vale Falls, and it's just one of the most beautiful scenes you could ever have on this earth. And I, I wonder to myself, what's it going to look like when it's a new earth? that has been totally, sin has been totally removed from it. 
What's that going to look like then? Oh, it's going to be overwhelmingly beautiful. What's the most beautiful place you've ever seen? wonder what that'll look like when sin is removed from the picture 100%. The effects of the fall of man. I'm believing, I, I don't know, I can't make this case, but I'm believing that there'll be no more mosquitoes. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And no more briars. Have you ever been hiking through the forest and you got caught in a bunch of briars? No more briars. No more stick tights. When I was a kid, I used to come home almost every night. I'd be covered in stick tights. You ever, ever had a stick tight on you? I was in a wedding on the beach. It was such a beautiful wedding. And, and I'm so thankful to God. The groom, I asked him, I said, okay, so we're doing the wedding on the beach. Big question. Are we, are we going barefoot or are we keeping our shoes on? He said, I think we'll keep our shoes on. I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a great idea. The women, they decided to go barefoot. I'll never forget it because the pathway to the beach, and it was such a spectacularly beautiful setting, right? I mean, this is heavenly in some ways. But there were these little, these little like cucklebur things down in the sand, and if you got one of those in your bare foot, it hurt like H-E double hockey sticks. You know what I'm saying? It hurt really bad. It was horrible. Some of the girls got those in their feet. And they were trying to get them out. I mean, they were in pain. It was terrible. What's it going to be like when there's no more of those little cucklebirds on the beach? And I'm, I'm, I'm really limited, right? It's going to be so much more wonderful than what I'm describing. Whew. I, I'm looking forward to it with eager expectation the day when Jesus returns. Because that new heaven and that new earth is going to knock you out. And it's going to be where righteousness dwells and will be ours to enjoy forever. I don't know about you, but I feel like here's kind of the time we're living in right now. And it's interesting how Jesus points this out to us, right? He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it'll also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. Just, we just read that the other day, and I, I spent quite a bit of time meditating on that whole story of Lot and his family. It says they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be in that day when the Son of Man is revealed. Can I just say this to you this morning? Sadly enough, not everybody's hungering for Jesus' return. Sadly enough, for many people around us, every day is just business as usual. They're doubting and they're scoffing. They're mocking. They're rejecting. And you know, you know the mock. Where's Jesus? Why hasn't he returned? I thought Jesus was going to return. Do you really believe in the return of Jesus? Do you really think he's coming back? And by the way, until that day, this day that Jesus describes, they were right. But on that day, 
They are sadly wrong. The day's coming. The day's coming when the scoffers and the and the mockers who are just going about doing life on their own terms according to their own fleshly desires are going to be sadly awakened to a very different reality. Destruction comes upon them and it's too late. I mean there's a, there's never been a better time. There's never been a more important time for you and I to pay attention to the signs of Jesus's return. Uh, Jesus Jesus was so kind to us, right? He he gave us some very clear signs. There'd be religious deception. There'd be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, persecution, martyrdom, betrayal. Oh wait, all that's happening in increasing measures. I heard someone say the other day, don't quote me on this, but I think I have the statistic right. Sometimes because of our media, we only concentrate on one or two things happening on the earth at any given time. For instance, the Ukraine war is kind of a big focus and has been for a couple of years now. But did you know that at any given time, generally, there's, I believe it's 22 wars that are going on in the face of the planet at any given time? I mean, that number just keeps increasing. There's division. There's warfare. In in an average year, there's, um, I heard this statistic too, there's um, well over 175, I believe it is, natural disasters that are hitting the earth in an, in an average year. So that every every next day or so, there's a natural disaster somewhere on the face of the planet. It's, it's just, it's all increasing is what I'm trying to say. And, and all that's supposed to be for you and I as believers, a sign of his return. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 21 says, and there'll be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars. How many of you heard about some of those? Yeah. Red moons and all kinds of different things. And on the earth, distress of nations. Wow, do we hear about that? With perplexity. Yeah, it's perplexing some of what's happening. The sea and the waves roaring. Wow, there's tsunamis even happening. But maybe that's also talking about the people roaring, right? Men's hearts failing them from fear. Look at the epidemic of anxiety that we're facing in our country alone. Anxiety is often rooted in fear, isn't it? And the expectation of those things which are coming on earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, then they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Man, I'd love to be alive to see that, wouldn't you? Now, when these things begin to happen, look up, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Wow. Can you say amen to that? That's going to be an amazing day. There's been an increase in intensity and frequency of the signs that Jesus talked about that would usher in his return. Wake up, pay attention, get your oil. Remember the, remember the, the parable of the, of the bridegrooms and or the 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 the, the uh, yeah the virgins that are awaiting the, the 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 bridegroom to come and 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 those that had collected oil and those that hadn't by the way you are responsible for collecting your own oil you can't buy somebody else's oil you can't borrow somebody else's oil 
You've got to store up your own oil so that your lamp will be lit and so that you will be ready when redemption draws near. We should hunger for and eagerly await the return of our King and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we ought to live like it. Amen, church? Lastly, heaven is our healing. It's our healing. He's going to take our weak mortal bodies. He's going to change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Listen, there's some that at times get very mistaken about what life in heaven's going to be like. You are not going to be a disembodied spirit. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. You're not going to be an angel. You're going to have a gloriously transformed body. That's what scripture says. He's going to take that weak mortal body, this body that's feeling pains and strains like it hasn't before. Anybody want to say amen to that? And he's going to transform it and change it into a glorious body like his own. Like whose? Like Jesus's. If you don't believe it, let me show you. Jesus is going to transform your lowly body into the type of resurrected body that he has. That's, that's our ultimate healing, folks. You, you, could, you could talk about, you could take that weak mortal body. It can also be translated a lowly body, vile body, depressed body, decaying body. Jesus is going to heal that body forever, and we get the kind of resurrected body that he has. 1 Corinthians, look at it with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It's raised up in what? Incorruption. Means no corruption whatsoever. It's sown in dishonor. Our bodies from the beginning, regardless of of how much we listen to our health coaches and how good we ate and all those things, our bodies were never perfect and they never were going to be because this body was sown in dishonor, but it's raised up in glory. It was sown in weakness. It's going to be raised up in power. It was sown a natural body. It's going to be raised up a spiritually transformed body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And as we have borne the image of the dust of man, so also we will bear the image of the heavenly man. In other words, our bodies go from lowly, vile, depressed to resurrected. They go from corruption and decay to incorruption and immortality. They go from dishonor and disgrace to heavenly and glorious. They go from weakness and frailty to supernaturally powerful. Natural. They go from natural and carnal to eternal and spiritual. They go from bodies like this to bodies like his. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to trade. Luke chapter 24. You don't believe it? Let me just share some cool things about your new body. Because you got a new body ahead. And I don't know if you've thought about it, but this kind of gets fun. And we're just going to have a little bit of fun with it, right? Because heaven's going to be fun. Thank you, Betty. Luke chapter 24, verse 31. It says this, and he vanished from their sight. (laughs) 
It's one of his post-resurrection appearances. And, and, and they're gathered together, right? And, and he's right there in the midst of them. Talking to them. Hanging out with them. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. Where'd he go? What happened to Jesus? He was just right here. You don't believe it? Look, in Luke it says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. Yeah, when he comes in, you know, it probably scared the snot out of them, right? They, peace, peace, guys. It's me, I'm here. If, if you read the passage, right, they're, they're, they're afraid. They're behind locked doors and they're afraid of the Jews. And Jesus has just died, and all of a sudden, you know, they're gathered together. These guys are trembling, right? They're not sure what the future looks like. And all of a sudden, there's Jesus, and he's speaking life to them, and he's helping them understand just what's happened. And they're taking it all in, and then all of a sudden, there he goes, and he's gone. I don't know about you, but, you know, Rick's going to be up there in his heavenly mansion, And all of a sudden, I'm going to show right up. Rick's going to be, hey, Pastor Jeff. Hey, Rick, how you doing, bro? Everything going good? Yeah. All right, just checking. And then I'm going to fly over to Tracy's mansion. I mean, it's cool. It doesn't sound like fun. That's, that's exactly right, Gina. It's going to be fun. So look at, look at this. Look at this. But while they did not believe, but while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have any of you food here? Is there anybody in the house like me that kind of, kind of, kind of likes food? Yeah, that would be, that would be me. Have you any food here? This is Jesus in his resurrected body, by the way. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. Where's Jeff and the Stanleys and their their bee factory out there with all that good honey? Jesus loves some good honey. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. Thank God we get to chow down in heaven. I, I don't know what else to say. We get to chow down in heaven. I probably won't pick a piece of broiled fish, but you know, a good juicy burger, it's going to be amazing. Or maybe it'll be manna, you know, I don't know, Uh, but it's going to be good and we get to eat in heaven. It's not going to be, listen, I'm trying to help you. You're not going to be that fat little angel sitting on the trying to shoot that little bow and arrow up on that cloud. That isn't going to be what heaven's about. It's going to be much more real than you have imagined. All right, I know I'm going over time, but I get excited about this stuff. Acts chapter 19, now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Bill, sound like he's flying. Does that sound like he's flying to you? 
All of a sudden, Jesus is standing there. He's talking to him. And I was like, Shh, beam me up, Lord. How many of you think that might be fun to fly around a little bit? How many of you have ever had a weird dream that you were flying through the clouds, you know? Or you were swimming under the ocean with the dolphins? I don't know. But you know what? It, it may well be happening in heaven. Are you with me this morning? For every follower of Jesus, heaven is our home. Our names are written there. Others are there right now. Our inheritance is there. We ought to be eagerly awaiting and hungering for Jesus' return when he takes us there. Our bodies are going to get eternally healed there. So let's do what Paul said. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on things on the earth. Church, let's become so heavenly minded. So we can be incredibly good for this earth. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, speak to each of our hearts. Enliven awaken, deepen, strengthen a desire for heaven in each of us. Where our theology's been weak, where we have not even maybe given it the thought that we needed or studied it like we should have, Lord, may we be hungry for heaven because heaven is your presence. And your presence is going to... envelop the new heavens and the new earth and we're going to be there with loved ones and we'll be known as we are known and we will have tasks and chores and we will be given rewards and there's going to be times of worship that are just amazing where we just say one word holy and it's going to be beyond anything we can fully conceive but so much of what we can understand even help us lord to be heavenly minded and to make a difference on this earth for your glory in jesus name everybody said amen amen would you stand with me today could you give the lord praise this morning and just worship him